Welcome to the Tej Talks podcast. Forget the property celebrities. We speak to relatable people with fascinating journeys, just like you. Hosted by Tej Singh, we bring you new stories, life-changing deals, and expert advice every week. Hello, everyone. Today's podcast really got me thinking. Uh, you know, on Tej Talks, we have a lot of people who are buying a lot of stuff very quickly and are very industrious, should we say. And I'm I'm like that, I guess. But speaking to Joanne today really got me thinking about my goals, uh, what I'm doing this for, what I need to live and enjoy a, a great life, uh, but also kind of about how there's more to property and entrepreneurship than property and entrepreneurship. Uh, she said something really kind of simple at the end, which is, you know, I said, what are you doing with your time now that you're you know, sort of pretty much financially free and, and your husband is too nearly. She said, basically, I'm just enjoying my life, which is something that, I don't know, I feel a lot of guests haven't necessarily said, and that's not a good thing, it's not a bad thing. Everyone's on their own journey, making their own progress. You might listen to this and think, oh my God, it's taken so long. You might listen to this and think, oh my God, it's so quick. Whatever you think, there are lessons in here for new people in property and those who are experienced. You know, if, But in particular, if you are new, this is going to be fantastic because Joanne hasn't been doing you know hasn't been doing it for a huge amount of time, but she's kind of started with bite to let's gone to HMOs and is now doing even bigger HMOs. But there's so many lessons in there that I just resonated so strongly with because I've been through them at the start of my journey and recently. So I hope you enjoy this podcast. Please remember to share the podcast with your friends. There's no adverts, there's no cost. I take all the costs. Um, so please do share with your friends and leave a review either on iTunes, uh, the Apple podcast app or on Facebook. Those are the only places you can leave a review. Um, if you want to talk about investing, then give me a shout. I'm sure we can do something. Joanne, welcome to the Tesh Talks podcast. Hello. Thank you for sending me a message on Facebook. Um, I really appreciate it. I think we're going to cover some interesting topics today. Some topics that I think a lot of people are dealing with, going yeah. to deal with, um, or they've got war scars from already, which I feel like you and I uh, probably do. Yeah. But before we get into property and all all those um, those good bits there, what were you doing before property? And then what sort of led you into property? Okay, so uh, before property, I was a teacher, so I taught art for years, years. So probably for about 14 years, I reckon. And um, so I was teaching, loved it, loved it, and then just started to hate it. Um, it just became too hard. And if I wasn't at school, I was still thinking about school. And it just felt like my head was hijacked by work. And I was missing stuff out because I was just working all the time, working weekends. And the I didn't love it as much, so the sacrifices didn't seem that worthwhile. So I started to look for something else. And I tried loads of different things, like I was thinking I'll be a tutor. I moved abroad and taught abroad for a couple of years. I um, thought I'd work freelance, like doing art workshops and all that sort of stuff. But it's quite hard to make enough money from those sorts of things. And also, they're still taking up loads of your time. And that's what I couldn't comprehend, that it was just, I felt as though my time wasn't my own. And I really loved that idea of um, not exchanging your time for money and making money while you sleep and all that carry on. 
Um, but I hadn't, I didn't know much about it, so I started to really investigate those sorts of things, and that's when I came across property. Mm. Yeah. And yeah, how did you like? Did you go on a course? Did you read a book? How did you kind of, I don't know, educate yourself at the start if you did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I. Yeah, so I think teachers like learning stuff, so I just started learning things. So I just was like reading stuff, and I went on a three-day seminar. I went on one of those yeah seminars, so I learned loads then, and I was just like, oh my god, this is amazing. And um, but was too scaredy cat to actually do anything with it. And so I think for about four years, it's terrible, isn't it? Yeah, it was about four years. I just read about it and um, looked at other people doing it, and. Uh, went to seminars and that kind of thing and then it just got to a point where I was like okay it's we've just got to do this stop messing about wow four years I mean that is a long that is a, time. yeah it's a long time to kind of watch but I guess it, it also shows like that to take that leap and take that step you need something right whether it's someone else whether it's reading a book or seeing something or having a life experience or just you know in your case maybe losing patience with yourself or with yeah yeah, you know. yeah exactly yeah yeah I think it's um it's a mixture of all those things and just not being around people that are doing it and just listening to the wrong people you know like your auntie Marge says you know like um tenants are gonna wreck your house you know you're just listening to all those sorts of things all the time and I think that's the major mistake is listening to the wrong people you need to listen to the people that are actually doing it and making it work yeah and that's a kind of shout out to to grow your network right if you're if you're with people who are in the same job as you same mindset as what you were you're yeah. probably going to stay in that kind of place yeah. um exactly. yes yeah, so elevate your circle and they will then elevate you so how did you then decide what strategy to start with yes yeah that's also the other rocky point i think for newbies is what to choose and um, it's very enticing, all these big numbers and, you know, like all these different strategies that you get told about. And there was a lot of faffing about that for a while because I'm quite good at the faffing. But um, I then focused, it was as soon as we, because it's me and my husband that do it together. As soon as we focused on the idea of just getting one dump of a house, doing it up, um, renting it out and trying to get all or most of the money back out of it. As soon as we decided that was the way forward, it just the, it just became so much more clearer and easier. And um, it's just that was based on the fact of how much money we had, um, our um, level of risk. You know, we just thought this was sort of the easiest way of us to get going. And also with a single let, you just learn so much. Just with one, your first single let, I just thought all the the like skills I'll be using to find it negotiate it all that carry on that's the same skills that you use in every strategy so I just thought this is just a nice easy way in okay and where do you live and where do you invest so I live in Doncaster um yes yeah, so I live in Doncaster and we invest in Doncaster and we invest also in North Lincolnshire so all of our properties are like within 40 minutes of where we live so we don't really want to go much further than that although I know it's possible to do that yeah okay so then you know, you had this vision of, you know, doing the BRR model, buy a dump, do it up, pull your money back out, and then potentially carry on, but just get that first one. And obviously, there's huge lessons in just, I know, buy to lets, people say they're boring and simple, but oh my God, the lessons on one, like you said, um, yeah. it's a lot. So t- talk to me about that first deal. Like, how did you find it? What was it? What were the figures? Give me everything. Okay, so 
Okay, so we started, we were looking, 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 looking at right move. Um, we also had uh, banners up, like we went full on with um, leaflets and everything. Um, because that by that point, I was like, this is it, I'm going to do this and I need to get out of work. So it's like throw myself in completely into it. Um, so we had newspaper adverts in as well. And this woman responded to an advertisement that we had in the newspaper. And um, she answered and said she was looking to sell her house um, and she'd had tenants in it, but they'd wrecked it and she was just really, really fed up with it. So I went to view it and we were talking for ages and she's really nice. And I was saying to her, it's not even that bad, you know, it could be rented out. And she was saying, no, 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 I just wanted to get rid of it and blah, blah, blah. Talked to her metal with her quite a few times. And then we made an offer for 64500 and I think we offered to pay some of our solicitors' fees as well or something like that as a little incentive. And then she hummed and hard for a bit and then um, she came back and she said, yeah, she would accept that because we were saying, because we took out equity out of our house, you see, that's how we got started. And um, so we were saying it was a cash, it would be a cash sale and she was saying that she wanted to sell it quickly. She had bills and stuff to pay. So she was happy with that. Um, and then... The process took a bit longer than it should have done just because it's never as fast as you think it's going to be. So we did it as fast as we can, but it wasn't it wasn't that fast, if you get me. And so it's, it was 64,500. We spent 7,000 on the refurb and the refurb involved a um, new bathroom. Um, we didn't have to do a new kitchen. Um, garden was a bit of a mess. We sorted all that out, got rid of this outhouse thing. New carpets throughout, painted. So it was just sort of a lightish refurb, but that was good for us at the moment at that point because we were both still working full time. And I actually got we actually got the keys on the first day. So I'd had I'd had the whole of the summer off work. Well you're still doing bits of work, but you have you've got essentially six weeks off. And then the first day back we got the keys. And uh, so it wasn't perfect timing, but it's just what it was. And so we had to spend then um it was like every night and weekends doing it and we did it in five weeks uh, yeah yeah but we were both like it was we were just like this is all or nothing so we and also we were getting friends to help us and you know that all that sort of thing so it took us five weeks to do it move somebody in and I think we were getting I can't remember this was like four years I think the first rental was for like five five ten or something and then we got it revalued after six months for 85000 or just, uh, yeah, so we were pleased with that for our first one. I think we ended up leaving the refurb money in. I think that's what we ended up leaving in. And so am I right in saying, hearing you correctly, you, so you and your husband did the refurb yourself. So you're not tradespeople, but you, you did the refurb yourself. We didn't do the bathroom. Um, we got a plumber in to do all of that. Like my husband knocked down a wall and... Um, we were like, my husband was knocking down, you know, it had one of those horrible 70s fireplaces in. So it had all that sort of stuff. So we were able to do some of it ourselves, but and not any of the technical stuff. Hmm. Okay. And what was, I've got a few questions. Let me go back to the beginning. So you released equity from your house in order to fund this. What was... Like some people don't do that because like, no, it's too risky. I spent my whole life paying it off. Some are like, yeah, let's remortgage it all to the hilt. Um, What was your sort of view on that? You know, were you comfortable doing it? Did it take some convincing or was it, yeah, how did that decision come about? 
well, for me, I was like, yes, 100%, let's do it. But my husband was like, 100%, let's not do it. And um, so that took some convincing. Um, so I think it was just getting used to the idea. Because, yeah, yeah, like you say, you're taught, pay it off. That's the best thing that you can do. And when actually it's not, because it's one of the lowest interest loans that you can get. So it took some convincing. But I think it's just... Um, and we were worried about it because obviously, like you say, everyone's saying the exact opposite of what you're trying to do. Um, but I think it was just like, we've got this opportunity. We can make this 60,000 either. But we just thought, right, in six months time, we're going to have most of this money back or in nine months time when the whole process is finished. But like in nine months time, we're going to have most of this 60,000 back, if not all of it, if we actually manage to pull off a no money left in deal. Um, but And then we can put it back into the mortgage or we go again. So when you think of it like that way, we thought my husband wasn't so worried and I wasn't worried. And we, so then we decided to go for it. And then once you, re- you release the money, you're thinking, well, I've made that 60000 turn into whatever amount of money. So let's do it again or let's keep leveraging it. Mm, okay, fair enough. That makes sense. Yeah. And then another question going to the sort of the middle of the what you said. Why did you do the refurb yourself? Um, for us, it was sort of a learning, and um, also it was because we we just didn't want to spend. We wanted just to spend as little money as possible on it. So we've gone, we've gone like full circle. We've gone like do the refurb ourselves to not doing hardly any of it ourselves. Back to doing bits and pieces ourselves. Hmm. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. And. You know, from this first project where you were, you know, quite hands on, um, like, give me some of the lessons you learned from that, because, you know, there's, you know, a lot of my listeners are, are new, a lot of my listeners are sort of experienced, but for the ones who are new, they're probably thinking, okay, you did a lot for this, this house. Tell me what you learned. Tell me the challenges. Tell me the experiences that we can all learn from. Yeah, so um, from sort of start to finish, I'd say like expect everything to take far longer than you think. So the sale you'd think with a cash purchase should have been, I don't know, a couple of months or something, I don't know. But it actually took about five, six months because of various things. Um, so expect everything to take a lot longer. The actual refinance was fairly straightforward, which was really good. Um, but I think it's just a case of keeping on at everybody. Um, just because somebody's saying that they're going to do something, it doesn't mean that they're actually doing it. So I've got into the habit now of you phoning people every day and just checking things are going ahead. Um, in terms of the refurb, it's basically the house was okay, but it wasn't going to get the valuation that we wanted. We wanted sort of the top end valuation of that street. So the house could, you know, you could have just like... Um, did a couple of little bits to it and then rented it out. But because we wanted to get the money back out, we knew we had to do a bit more than that. Um, and I think knowing what level the houses on the street are at in terms of their, you know, in terms of the quality of them. So my I've lived in this area for quite a while, but my husband's lived in this area all of his life. So he would know, he knows the places inside out, if you get me. And I think it's basically looking, knowing your market, knowing the quality of the houses of the streets uh, on the on the streets there already, and basically not doing too much to it. So we knew we wanted to spend one pound and make it sort of equal to three pounds, if you get me. Mm-hmm, yeah. And um, so we were 
so we didn't want to do too much because we could have gone to totally to town on it we could have put a new kitchen in you know we could have done all sorts of things but that wouldn't have worked with the numbers and it wasn't necessary in terms of trying to get the end value mm. yeah. Some, yeah some really interesting tips there and, and all things that i've seen and experienced and one thing to note you know you said you want to spend a pound to get three yeah. that is that's the ideal and I, but i think some areas probably not where you are at least where i invest it's very difficult to spend a pound to get three back sometimes i find myself spending a pound to get 1.5 or two back but yeah. you know it's pros and cons right so i don't want everyone to get hung up on oh we must get three pound out yeah, although yeah, sure. yeah. You know, if you can i mean bloody good right yeah. um so you had this deal refinance you know all came as expected i mean that's that's quite a confidence booster, right? Yeah, God. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's quite, that's really exciting when it actually works out how you think it might. Right. Because I, I guess, you know, maybe you weren't like this at that point, but I'm a bit, you could say cynical, you could say realistic, but um, yeah. like, I'm like, oh, we got a valuation. Oh, cool. Well, it's going to get downvalued, isn't it? So when it actually goes well, you're like, well, how do I react? How do I behave? Like, what do I, what do, I do? I don't know how to deal with these feelings. Um, so, you know, with this confidence, with this experience, what did you then do next? So the next one was, um, my aim was trying to get out of work. So the next one was um, to do a HMO. And um, the reason we went for HMOs is I've lived in lots of HMOs, so no the good, the bad, and the uh, horrible. So I sort of thought HMOs could be something that we do next um, as as because I felt like I could manage them because we self-manage all of ours as well, you see. So I knew that I'd be able to manage them. I sort of understand the dynamics in HMOs. I sort of know how they work from living in them lots of myself. And also we're just thinking cash-wise, that is going to really increase our monthly profits. So... We went for a HMO, and so I did. I did some training in um, how to, what sort of thing to look for, and all that carry on. Um, but by that time, you sort of like, I was still. I'd got this single let under my belt, but I was still unsure. So we were still open to the idea of having a single let as the next one as well. Um, but then I did find a property that is. Um, we it was advertised. I think it was eight. It was eighty nine thousand, and I went to see it, and I offered sixty for it, and I can't believe it, but I actually got it for sixty. On the like first offer, they just said yeah. It, well, it was weird because um, what happened was I'd been to see it, and it was it was weird because uh, also you know I'd been visiting all the agents trying to make friends and all that carry on like you're told to. And um, this was an agency that I hadn't even been to before. I didn't even know it was there, if you get me. Because it was, you know, the way you get a street full of estate agents. This wasn't on the street. It was sort of like in another area. So I went to see it anyway. And um, went to see it and went to see the property. I said to them, are you, how come it's on for this high? It does seem very high because it was a mess. And sort of the valuation you get towards the end would only be about 90 to 100 or something like that. Do you get me? So um, I phoned and I said, I want to offer 60. I know it's far lower, but I gave loads of reasons. And um, the guy said, I'm going to get my manager to phone you. So the manager phoned me and he asked me about it all again. So I just repeated everything. And then um, he said, have you got have you got proof of funds? Have you got the cash? Um, um, 
I don't think we did have proof of funds at that point, but I think it was coming into our account soon. So I didn't have to leave him waiting for too long. And then um, I was able to show him proof of funds for having the 60 in the account. And then, um, yes, then we got that. But that was another one that took about a year to buy, actually buy. Exactly, yeah, because there's loads of charges. It was it was such – no, there wasn't loads of charges. There was one particular charge on it where this guy owned – I think it's the right word is a charge. It's, it's a, this guy owed a bit of money on it. It was about 700 quid, but nobody knew where he was. What? And there was a rumour that he was in China. <laughs> so what, <laughs> someone had a charge on his ass because he owed 700. That yeah, is... Like that. It was something like that. Do you know when you start losing track with things? Because just things... Yeah. But a year... I mean, ha, like, I would have got bored and just yeah. forgot about it. And then in a year, they would, I'd have been like, oh... Yeah. So like, you know, obviously at the start of that, you didn't know it was going to take a year. So did you then hold off looking at other properties and waste time? Or how did you manage this becoming seemingly endless process that it was becoming? Yeah. yeah, it was a bit, it was quite painful. And um, we did hold off looking at other things because basically that was going to be all our money put in again. Uh, we were going to, I think the, 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 what we did there was we put the money in and um, we were going to bridge rest of it and then use the rest of the cash that we had to as the refurb and we were going to do it was like full-on refurb with it where it's all on suites and all the rest of it so I think we just I think we actually waited so we didn't actually buy anything so we had a very quiet year and um we didn't buy anything during that time so we didn't know what what we didn't know when because it just kept you know like it's going to be next month okay it's going to be next month and then it's not next month it takes longer but honestly 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 all of our houses have taken ages to buy you probably would have got bored really early, but all of ours have been really problematic. And I think it's because we just, I think we just, yeah, we just seem to buy really problematic houses. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that is, I get annoyed if like conveyancing takes longer than two weeks. Like, I'm just like. <laughs> I know. I see your things and you're like, I've bought it in about two days or something. Honestly, <laughs> ours are, um, ours t- the, the longest one, I think, is about a year and a half. You know what? I have a lot of respect for you. I have a lot of patience. Um, I would be ripping things to shreds if, like, I'd be I'd be throwing my toys out the pram if it if it took. Yeah. I mean, I just had I have one completing today that took two months because the vendor had to like he had a huge um workshop to clear out. Oh yeah. And I mean, this is at the end of my tether right now. I'm like, can we buy the freaking house? So, um, that is. So then, okay. So this this one you were going to make into HMO took a year to complete. So then. Obviously, you were holding on to stuff. Yeah. When did you then decide, e, we need to look at something else? And then how did you decide that? Well, um, we, I don't know what happened. Because I think I was still, we were both still working full time. It was all still very busy, do you get me? So the time went quite quickly. And also, I was still learning. I still felt like I was learning stuff and all the rest of it. But um, anyway, as soon as we, we didn't, I think we started looking at other things, but it's just in the areas where we were looking for HMOs, there's not many houses, you're not inundated with houses that are the right layout. What I wanted to have was a house with the right layout where I wasn't like bashing down every single wall. Um, so I was looking for sort of that, you know, that long sort of terrace with the kitchen on bathroom towards the back. Do you get me? Does that make sense to you? Where you've got two reception rooms, kitchen, bathroom, and then upstairs, you've got three decent-sized rooms. 
to be able to get houses with that sort of layout where you're not completely demolishing the house, it's quite hard to find, you know, and especially when room sizes have to be such and such a size and all the rest of it. So we did see we didn't see much coming on the market for the with the right um, size, and also we were trying to get our money out. So we were like, um, with that one, we knew we could get all our money out. Um, and so we just stuck with it. And the thing is as well, like we're not, I mean, I was desperate to leave work, but at the same time, we're not like in a massive rush. I want, um, we're hoping that this year my husband will be able to leave work because we would have reached our financial goal by this year, hoping by about June or July. But we're not like, we're not, we're, we're just trying to do things as we want to do them and not completely stress ourselves out which is it's supposed to be kind of a nice thing to do to get me yeah yeah that makes sense okay so you you moved on a little bit mm-hmm. um and then what was like just talking about what kind of what happened next then with because you bought a buy to let and then you yeah. went so you had one buy to let and you said right we're doing hmo now yeah 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 so yeah, how did the HMO process go? So once you, you know, owned the house, yeah. did you do refurb yourselves again? What was the learning process like? Because obviously HMOs is a step up from buy to let. There's more regulation, there's more rules, there's more fireproofing, there's all sorts of stuff. So how, talk me through that transition for everyone. Um, well, that was um, a, yeah, that was a big learning. So we met up with, we met some really nice builders who we I'd love to work with again, but they're just so busy all the time now. Um, they basically managed that refurb for us. They'd done loads of HMOs. They were mega experienced. So, and because the process had taken so long to actually purchase the um, place, I'd got to know the builders quite well during that time. So once we had the property, it was like, here's the keys, work away. So they got on with it and um, they just did a brilliant job. But yeah, so learning all the rules and regulations I would say now to any new people, make sure you know them because just because your builder says they know them doesn't mean that they do know them. Luckily, in that in that case, they were um, they really did understand it all. But I think do be aware of it all yourself and make sure even before you even start looking for the property, you need to know what the rules and regulations are because there's so many things you need to think about with the layout and even like work top size. You have to have 50 centimeters of work top each in the kitchen you know, how many bathrooms you've got to have and all that sort of stuff. So make sure you know all of that stuff before you even start looking. And then um, when the house was a right wreck when we got it and then um, the garden was like a massive forest. And so they did a, a major, amazing job on it, which I was really pleased with. And um, we started advertising about a month before it was finished. So we we're actually showing people empty rooms. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, they could see the quality of it. You could see that it was going to look really nice. And the thing is that we knew the competition wasn't great. So anyone that came round to ours, even though it wasn't finished, they were like, this is really nice. Um, so, yeah, so we started advertising a month before. So basically, in my mind, I was like, we're going to have people in as, pretty much as soon as this is finished. And I think there was Christmas in between. And then I was worried that nobody would want to be moving in sort of mid-January, you know, because everyone's, you don't have much money and all that carry on at that point. But fortunately, yeah, we had it filled pretty much before it was, I think we had three or four rooms filled before it was actually complete, complete. And then we got um, filled the last, filled the room 
filled the last room in quite quickly after it was done. And then I think we managed to move one guy in that turned out to be not that nice, but fortunately left quickly and quietly. Uh, but I think that's the that's a learning in that you just be patient, which I'm I am quite patient, but <laughs> at that point <laughs> I think it's just waiting for the right tenant. Don't just rush people in. Yeah. And what you've described there is like the ideal situation, right? Which is you had great tenants, they they saw an empty room and were like, Yep, this is this is it, I want it before yeah. it was even finished. So your your cash flow's sorted. Now but I guess way before this, how did you know that your area was going to work as a HMO? Because it's a bit of a risk and it can be a bit scary yeah. at the start. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, it, yeah. So I'd looked in quite a few areas. You know, when you start out, you start looking in all sorts of areas and you it gets, it's kind of very confusing at the beginning because you're just, because it's just feel, everything feels so foggy and unclear. And um, the area that we chose, sort of North Lincolnshire area, um, I just saw that the competition was not great. Um, in my mind, people are always, there's always going to be people that can't afford a one bed flat and they just want somewhere nice, decent to live where they're being looked after and they know the place is being looked after. Um, so, and I knew the area that we went for is in sort of a quite a nice area uh, within North Lincolnshire area, if you get me. So we were very careful in where we chose to buy the property. Um, there's quite a lot of business there. So there's quite a lot of industry around there. And we knew we'd be able to attract those sorts of people. And the people that we do attract are sort of like care workers and um, some factory workers like PTs. You know, it's just people who don't, just don't want to fork out seven, eight hundred pounds a month on a one bed flat, you know, with all your council tax, everything included. Whereas if they can rent one of our rooms and they've got an ensuite, they've got a kitchen where a cleaner comes in once a week, you know, it's all really nice and they're paying half that. Then I think that's attractive to people. And we've had people, there's a guy that's lived there pretty much for the whole time we've had it. Wow. So that was, you know, quite a positive experience for HMO. The builders are great. They knew their stuff. You had cash flow coming in like kind of day one or agreed pre day one. I mean, that's, that's pretty epic. So I know in total now you have four single lets and two HMOs. So yeah. your second HMO, was that kind of almost the same smooth process? Uh, not as smooth. Um, the Before I go into the second HMO, the, the getting the commercial loan for the first HMO was tricky. And that's another thing that people need to think about. And I think what did work in our favour is having had that single let for so long. Because mm. you, know, you have to have shown that you've got experience. And what what made it difficult? Like, was it your like? What was it about you? I guess as a as a, a risk profile that made yeah. it difficult for the lenders. I think it was the experience. It's just it's just like if we if we had got that HMO really early, we probably wouldn't have been able to get commercial mortgage for it at that point. You get me? So it would it's sort of worked out for a little bit that it did take over a year to get uh, our hands on it. But um, I think it's just with the commercial mortgage, it's and nobody there's no you never hear the same thing from people like you get lots of advice on the courses which is amazing um but it's not you just don't know whether you're going to get it until you actually go through it yourself because brokers will say yeah 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 it's fine but until you actually start going through it it's you just don't know um we i had one broker um saying yeah 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 we'll get commercial mortgage for you and then when the valuation came in it was a bricks and mortar valuation 
And then I was saying, but we were talking about commercial, and he was saying, no, we never talked about commercial. And I think a lot of people don't actually know what commercial mortgage is. <laughs> I don't know. It's very strange. And I know a lot of people that have had a lot of trouble getting them. Um, so we got uh, the first valuation was the bricks and mortar valuation. That was for, I think, I can't remember it now, but it wasn't much more than 90,000. And that would have been like, so I had about three days of pure panic thinking if we to keep with this um because we got it on a friday and i thought shit i'm gonna have to wait till monday before i can speak <laughs> to somebody so i was like, total nervy breakdown for about three days thinking if we get this if we have to stick with this valuation for 90 grand or whatever it was i don't remember it i've tried to block it but um then that means we've left majority of our money in and we'll it'll take us ages to go again do you get me or it'll take ages to work away i'll work out a way to finance next property because we weren't borrowing money or anything at that point we were just doing it with our own money and, and what did it get commercially valued at when it did well finally when it did yeah it got commercially valued at 125,000 big difference then yeah massive that's that's really strange of the broker and it's very it's very bad practice um someone's head would be bitten off if if that was happening like that's just that's terrible and I think I guess a learning from that which I've learned which I don't need to you know and as you know once you have a good broker they you know they listen right and then they do do what you need to do is always to push because I meet brokers at events and I say this is the rate I've got and they're like oh that can't be the best rate you've got I can do better and then I say okay here's my salary here's my blah 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 and they're like oh yeah yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah. a good rate so you you have to sometimes push them at the yeah. start and be like hold on do you know about this and that and i'm yeah. this and i'm that so um yeah and it's a limited company and we're doing it this way yep. right yeah exactly Definitely i know lessons yeah because they'll they'll say yeah 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 and then actually it doesn't work out that well <laughs> exactly <laughs> and how much does that hmo like profit cash flow a month now Oh, I love this. This honestly, this HMO, I just love it. it um, it's um, it's one thousand nine fifty a month, and then it's actually profit. Net profit is about nine fifty, a thousand a month. That's tasty. It's oh god, I, I I look at the figures and I just think I love that HMO. It's one of my favourite properties that we've got. What about the management of it? Because that's often the the kind of beef I hear is like, okay, you can make loads of money, but you got to deal with all these humans. How have you found the management <laughs> aspect? Yeah, um, I don't know whether. Well, I think it's pure luck. So Touchwood this stays the same, continues on, but we've just got such. So far, we haven't had any horrendous tenants. And um, I'm sure it will happen in the future, especially as we keep increasing how many properties we have. So I'm not saying it will never happen. But um, fortunately, we've been good. We've been blessed a bit with who we've got. And so all the tenants we've had in there, they're all totally fine. Like, I'll go around, have a chit-chat. So I do, like, I do pop around every two weeks or whatever. And we have a cleaner that goes in once a week. So that means that people aren't getting argy-bargy with each other about mess so much. I think that relieves a lot of tension. Um, so we have a cleaner goes in once a week. I pop in once a fortnight or whatever. I answer text messages quickly, uh, respond quickly. If rent's late, like I'll just text straight away just with this sort of a, you know, gentle reminder sort of thing. But they'll often, it's, uh, yeah, I've just been, I think we've been good. And But I think we do our checks well, like we'll check um, bank statements, we'll get um a reference of their employer we'll do all that sort of thing even when 
you know, because it gets quite boring doing all that stuff. Even when you're like busy with other things and all the rest of it, you still need to do it. You can't skimp on that stuff, I don't think. Yeah, I agree. Okay. And so as of today, which is February 2020, we're in 2020, aren't we? Yeah. What, what did your... So what does your portfolio look like and how much is it cash flowing at the moment? Because I want people to see sort of how long it's taken you and then yeah. what the results are. Yeah, so it's pretty much four years this year that we've been doing this for. Because it was during half term that I went to the first training. And um, so we've got four single lets and two HMOs. And the way I think of it uh, easily is each single let we're trying to we try and cash flow £300 a month. And then each HMO is about £1,000 a month. So if everything goes to plan and there's nothing, you know, no work, maintenance, you know, all that sort of things, then we're just making oh, just over £3,000 a month profit. Very nice. And I think for, depending on everyone's situation, um, that is, you know, you, you know, and you could travel yeah. the world right now um, yeah. and stay in some decent places, eat some decent food and be pretty comfortable um and you achieved that in four years using all of your own money right well we used our own money on bridging loans but then um last year we did three houses um so we had to borrow some money off a family member okay. and he, he loaned us fifty thousand. Hmm. and if you if you started you know using investor finance four years ago do you think you would have grown i don't know 50 percent, 100 percent quicker um yeah we would have done we would have done but it wasn't really in our it just wasn't in the plan I think I don't um probably some people will be listening to this thinking this is uh that it, we've gone very slow but in our minds it's just we've done it carefully we've got properties that are good deals you know like we haven't taken any risks with that we've known I mean obviously you can't guarantee what your valuation will be at the end but we've always gone with the idea of trying and get as much or all money out as possible the best the better we've got at it you get me um so um yes if we'd been using investor finance yeah we would have gone faster but we didn't feel that we wanted to do that at the beginning because it just felt like a lot of responsibility having someone else's money and then trying to give them a lot of money back again at a certain yeah. time i don't think you can go into that lightly to be honest yeah, no, of course. And I think also everyone's different. Everyone has their own goals and plans. And, you know, you've done it in four years. Someone might do it in seven. Someone might do yeah. it in six months. It's all just yeah. about your individual, you know, what you want and what you can manage, really. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, we, well, I mean, I think what we'll aim to do again this year is about three properties. And then we all, we would have reached out. We're, trying to, we're aiming for 5,000 net profit a month. That's what we're aiming for. And then that's when my husband will leave work without, uh, where he'll be feeling comfortable leaving work, if, he, if that makes sense. And then so after that, we'll probably do one or two properties a year, maybe just one a year. Hmm. Okay. And, yeah. And um, are you doing a commercial conversion at the moment from a Chinese takeaway? Yes, I am. Yeah. Tell yeah, us yeah. about that. <laughs> um, so it's a Chinese takeaway. So downstairs is a takeaway. And then upstairs is like, you know, your residential. So it's three bedrooms upstairs. It's big property. Like it's um, it's actually a huge terrace that was converted at one point into a takeaway, maybe about 20 years ago, if I remember right. And then 
we've put in planning to turn it into a six-bed HMO. And the plan was to make it into a six-bed, but then when I was going around again and looking at the plans, and I was thinking, it's just going to be too squashy. Like, I'd rather create five decent-sized rooms, a decent-sized kitchen, and have people stay there for longer rather than try and squeeze two rooms, which you would have done in the back. Um, so we're going for five beds. Uh, it's a huge job. It's still a Chinese takeaway. It's been empty for about two years, two and a half years. But it's there was, up until about two or three months ago, there was huge vats of oil still in there. It is pretty grim. Um, and uh, it's going to be a huge clear-out job. Um, the strip-out's going to be um, pretty major. It's got like massive industrial fridges and hobs and all that sort of thing. Um, and uh, what else? Oh, yeah, and upstairs is like, is really grim. It just needs, it needs the whole shebang. So we've got quotes for full electrics, full gas, um, you know, changes, everything. Everything's got to be stripped out and then just basically put back together. Wow. Yeah. And... Did you need planning or was it under permitted development or? Um, yeah, we needed planning for that. So we put planning in and that was fairly, that was surprisingly straightforward, which is good. Yes. Mm. And, quite positive. Yeah. and is this on like a high street location or is it kind of off the beaten track just in the middle of a residential area? It's actually probably about probably 10 minutes walk from town. Um, and but it's in a sort of residential area, quite nice near sort of industry. Um, we've got it cheap. Um, I'm, I was, I'm not going to say exact numbers because we're still buying it, but it's just it's, we've got it at a good price. And um, if we're going to spend more on the refurb, then because it's very similar to the the first one that we bought, you know, like it's a, it's if we'll get it valued at something similar, and we're going to end up leaving probably about ten thousand in it. But the thing is, we'll make that back within about we'll make that back gross profit within five months, and we'll make it back net profit in about ten months. I mean that's pretty solid. Um, I like that. Um, yeah. You should put the um, all the equipment you strip out, chuck it on a Gumtree or Facebook Marketplace. I bet you'll yeah. make back some of the costs of stripping it. Yeah, that's there. what we're thinking. We're trying, we're going to see because it's all. I mean, it's all. Yeah, it's pretty used, but I think yeah, we should be able to get something for it. I reckon. Hundred percent. And. Yeah. When we were speaking uh, on Facebook, you mentioned bullshit builders uh, oh, yeah. and then also having to keep your eye on the ball and being one step ahead all the time. And maybe at one time you weren't. Can you talk <laughs> to me about those two or, or that topic? Because builders are the biggest pain in the ass when they're not good, but they are heaven sent when they are good. So yeah. talk me through the bullshit builders and, and being one step ahead. Um, well, I think it's just it's I think what happened was um Okay, so my mum died in 2018, and it was just after that that we got one of the properties. And so because um, I wasn't properly with it, you know, it then so we had a builder sort of manage the refurb. And um, so it just, I think with any refurb, you just need to be checking things and not just thinking, oh, that it'll be fine, it'll be fine, because... If you're thinking that and there is a mistake, it's expensive to rectify it um, because you're having to backtrack and it is just it just turns out expensive. You, you're what I would advise anyone to do is just make sure that they are um, even if it's even if you're working full time and you've you've still you've got loads of stuff going on. If you have any doubt in your mind at all about what's happening, you need to be on it and you need to you need to make time to um, keep an eye on what's happening. 
Um, and especially with sort of anything that's going to be like a HMO and even single lets, you've got certain, um, uh, what's the word? Like, you know, all the fire stuff and uh, windows having to be toughened and all these sort of things. You've got to keep, you've got to know what is expected and make sure those things are happening. Because we were really fortunate with some of the builders we've worked with. Like you said, they are heaven sent, but they they get busy. And um, But you do need to really know, you do need to almost be a step ahead. And even though, like I said before, it can be a pain in the ass because you're thinking, well, I've hired this person to do it. They should just be able to do it. Then don't, that's not the case. I think you do need to be on the ball with it. And you will kiss a lot of frogs. Like you will work with quite a few people that you think, well, that's not going to work out again, I don't think so. Uh, but you will find people like the people that we've got to help us with, the Chinese like it's almost like a sigh of relief when they say that they're going to work with us because you just know it's going to be okay and they and you know that they'll talk to you if there's any problems and you know that you can actually ask them stuff without them thinking that you're um out of place or make you know you you just they, they'll talk to you and have a conversation rather than trying to hide things or not tell you stuff you know that sort of thing yeah, I've had I've had not a builder, but a project manager consistently, constantly lie to me, and I've caught him out so many times. And it's one of these things where you're just like, yeah. why? You know, yeah. like I don't know. I think when you're an honest person in business, it's so yeah. difficult to understand. Like, how yeah. does this make sense? Yeah, yeah, because um, yeah, you think that everyone's just going to be like you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's it's such a shock when you find out that actually no, that's not the case. And you feel bad having to, because I used to feel uncomfortable asking loads of questions, but now I just think I need to know and I need to know it's being done right and I need to know, you know, that we're getting a good deal and you need to know those things. So you just have to, you know, you just have to do it. You just have to get on with it and just don't let it slide at all. Yeah, 100%. And, um, you know, when you were you know, making a transition from teaching for a very long time yeah. into a, you know, pretty much totally different kind of uh, vocation or career yeah. like did you read any books or podcasts or audiobooks did you reprogram your mind like how did you change your mindset because I assume it must have changed somewhere somehow right yeah yeah oh for sure yeah um I yeah I just I'm a massive advocate now of if you want to do something just find somebody else who has done it learn how they've done it and then do it similar you know and um but at that point obviously I didn't know that and I like I said it took me ages to get into the mindset where I could actually do it and I think once I decided to go for it I, I didn't read a fiction book I don't think for over a year I think I read one fiction book and all I was doing was going to work listening to podcasts or books on audible on when I was reading I was just reading business books um and I was just yeah completely trying to reprogram my brain and I don't know if everybody works like this, but I find I work like if I see somebody else is doing it, I just feel like it's more possible for me to do it. You know, if you, get, if you see case studies and somebody talks you through how they've done it or, you know, you can see other people. That's why these communities work well and that's why these sort of podcasts work well, I think. It's just, it's just hearing somebody else saying, yeah, I did it. It was hard, but we did it and it's worthwhile. Then I think it just makes you think, well, yeah, I can do it too. Hmm. Are yeah. there any books or resources you'd like like recommend by name? 
21? Um, I think um, Robin Moore's podcasts are great. I listen to hundreds of those. Um, Tim Ferriss, I love Tim Ferriss just because of the variety of um, uh, stuff he has on there. How I Failed, is that what it's called? There's a podcast called How I Failed or... Uh, It's by this lady and she's got a book out as well. But it's basically people will come on and they'll talk about their biggest failures and how they've overcome them. Mm, I quite Um, like that one. That sounds interesting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and um, just listening to a whole variety of things and, yeah, it's just absorbing all that stuff, realising that you're not doing anything that new. Like this BRR model has been around for yonks, hasn't it? It's just that, and it's tried and tested. It's just new to you when you once you think, well, other people do it and other people are successful at it. So why can't I be? 100%. And Tim Ferriss, I love him. I think he's just like some sort of like semi-god. The way he can just like learn things and hack life. He's just, he's just a genius. Like he is like one person who I'd like, I I don't really mind all these like celebrities and influencers, but he's one person who I would love to have dinner with or to chill with. Yeah, 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 for sure. Like he's just some—he's some sort of genius. He looks like a genie. He looks like a genius monk as well. Something <laughs> about him. Um, and you know, obviously, working in a school, you had timetables. Oh, that makes me shiver thinking about yeah. my my high school timetables. Um, yeah. I, as a person, am a tad erratic with my days. I, yeah. I'm, I've tried to put a structure in, and I found it hasn't. Well, it's it's kind of worked, and it kind of hasn't. My body's been fighting it, but. I know to perform at a high level, I need more structure. So tell me, how did you structure your day? How do you work the times out? Give us, you know, 101 in in day structuring, timetabling. Okay, so I use an app called Things, which I think is a very old app. It's like a sort of old version of Asana or something. It doesn't look as nice as Asana, but I've used it for years. I've probably used it for about eight years or something. And basically, it's just... You can do like brain dump in there of everything that needs to be done, and then you sort of can put it into when it like Tuesday three o'clock, you know, so you can timetable it all. Um, and also, so you can have so you can have a job, and then you can repeat it every week. So I've got like Monday jobs that I have, and Wednesday jobs that I have to do each week, and it's things like doing the accounts, going through all the filing, going through all the emails. It's all that sort of admin stuff that has to be done weekly, otherwise it takes over it just becomes too um, confusing so I have all stuff like that but this take took me ages to work it all out like when I first started teaching I was like the last thing I want to do is be controlled by a bell or you know an alarm or a timetable so it's like I'm gonna freestyle it and then um, realize that actually that doesn't work that well <laughs> and I wasn't getting that much done and also you just end up faffing a lot faffing and uh, procrastinating so you, the, you've got all the books um, that you can read about sort of organising your time. But I think it's hard to find what works for you. Like I tried bullet journals and 12 Week Year was a brilliant book. That's a really good book to read, 12 Week Year. That really helped me sort out how to, you know, write your goals and then backtrack it, you know, um, where you – so you go from the end – from the – what is it? It's, I can't remember how they explain it, but basically you end you start, you work out what your end goals are, and then you work out what you need to do to get there, sort of thing. Um, so that was really helpful. Um, and then so I tried various things, and what I find works for me is um, at the beginning of each week is just writing down 
all that needs to be done and then taking each thing and assigning it a time and a day. And I use an app called Week Cal um, to do that in. And then I've got things as well where I can just keep in. Anytime I think of something, I'll put it in. Or anytime my husband says blah, 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 then I can put that in. And then it's not forgotten and it's not playing on your mind. And yeah, and then, and then yeah, so basically, organizing your time is a really good way of not having to work all the hours. So now, if I'm not doing a refurb, I can do the property stuff within a couple of hours each day. Mm. yeah which is, is good which is the point that is i like that a lot okay i'm going to be looking at some of these apps and yeah. getting things done like this so what does the future hold for you i know you said you want to buy three more properties this year and one or two after that but this is potentially and especially if you're you know you're using these tools to make things more efficient you'll have you have a lot of free time so what are you yeah what are you going to do um well um, one of the things I'm looking at at the moment, which I'm not sure whether to go for, because I'm not sure whether we actually need it, is it's a property that could be an 18-bed HMO. Yes, exactly. That's quite the jump in it. So it would, we'd have it like, so it'd be two six-beds and then two three-beds. It'd be in one building, but we sort of split it up so it doesn't feel like you're in halls, like it's two halls. So I'm looking at that, and that could be quite a challenge, but quite exciting, and also could just sort us out for years to come. Um, and the numbers do work on it, but it does scare me a bit. But anyway, so that's a possibility. And then um, also the whole point of me doing this was to not create another job. And so I um, I like sort of um, – I like the idea of helping other teachers to do what I'm doing because I know so many teachers are fed up with what they're with teaching. But also, I mean – I like just spending time with friends and family and doing artwork and I've started making things again and doing producing work and just enjoying my life and being able to do what I want when I want, which is amazing. <laughs> I love that. I think it's it's very refreshing to hear that because a lot of the guests I get on um, and a lot of people I speak to are like, I, I don't really hear that and that's not a bad thing or a good thing um yeah. i hear the no i want to keep analysis keep doing this i'm not that myself blah blah blah, blah. Do, do this do this do that but you just said i want to enjoy my life um which you know is like the simplest thing but it's the most fulfilling and happiness providing thing there is i think that's that's kind of got me thinking and i think it will get the guests thinking about their goals and be like oh do i really need this much do I really have to do it by then so yeah yeah because I think what what could have happened with me is I'm so used to working all the hours uh when I was teaching that I just translate that into this it's actually been quite hard not to do that and sometimes you get sort of like anxious you know when you're not doing stuff because you're thinking fucker I need to be doing things but it's sort of like learning it's practicing you have to practice not doing anything (laughs) Which is which is a lot harder than it seems once you, you know, get addicted to like buying houses and being an entrepreneur and like doing all this fun stuff. Yeah, I've definitely struggled with that. Okay, um, so let's go to the quick fire round. So, boom, short, snappy answers. I'll ask you like three times three questions. So, what are your top three tips for people who are new in property? Okay, top three tips. Uh, basically, speak to people who have done it already. Don't waste time. I feel like I did just get on with it um and 
uh, speak to proper brokers. Like, don't just assume that no one's ever going to give you a mortgage because that's one of the main things I hear is that, oh, no, I'd never get a mortgage. Speak to an independent broker and speak to someone who's got access to loads of products because I bet they can find something for your situation. Awesome. And what are the biggest three mistakes that you have made on your journey so far? Uh, big three mistakes. Probably start, not starting when... Not starting earlier is a biggie. Um, oh, God. Um, blah, 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 blah. May, I don't know. I, some of them... Uh, let me think. Right. Not starting early enough. Listening to the wrong people and um, not... Ju- trusting my gut there's so many in times during this where you're thinking mm, something's not right something's not right and then you you know like with a tenant that you let in or with a builder that you use it turns out to be not who you, that you thought they were you know it's things like that so listen to your gut awesome yeah. and then uh your top three favorite books oh um start now get perfect later mm-hmm I love that book. Um, How to Fail. I love that book recently. Um, oh, God, what's the third one? Uh, Profit First. I'm getting my head around that. That seems to make a lot of sense. Amazing. Uh, yeah. Joanne, if people want to get a hold of you to, to talk more, to follow your, your experiences and, and just have a chat, what's the best way they can do that? Um, I'm on Facebook and I'm on LinkedIn, and it's Joanne R. O'Connor. Amazing. Joanne, thank you so much for coming on the Tej Talks podcast. Thank you very much for having me. If you like this podcast, connect with Tej on Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube for more great content.